Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Okay, everyone. Welcome on into the Dynamic Leaders Podcast. I am Colin Cernelia with my co-host, Jamie Huffman. For those who haven't listened before, Dynamic Leaders just like it says, it's a leadership podcast. We talk a lot about it, entrepreneurship, uh, entrepreneurship, I should say, combining words there. It's been a long day already. <laughs> and so uh, th- this podcast is a lot of fun. Uh, you can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, uh, pretty much anywhere you listen to podcasts. If you like the show, please take a minute, give us a five-star rating and review. We'd really appreciate that. And uh, Jamie, we have some housekeeping before we get into our featured conversation today with Brittany Pomeroy, who's uh, here in the Charlotte area with us and does a bunch of leadership work in the corporate world. Uh, but before we get to that, let's talk about some wins. And then I know you have a fun topic for us to start uh, the, or to lead into the conversation. But I'll start with you this week because I think I went first last time. We skipped a week with the holiday, but uh, how, what's what's going on with you? Tell us about some wins, a big win that you had. Yeah, absolutely. I'm happy to do that. More housekeeping really quick. I'm so sorry. I'm going to go shut that door really fast. There's a dog <laughs> that's being so loud and it's distracting to me, so I'm sure it would be distracting to others. <laughs> this, this podcast, I tell people all the time for the people who are listening we we don't have professional studios uh either you're gonna hear a dog barking because jamie's running her business in the background or you're gonna hear my daughter crying uh down the hallway or at least screaming at the very least because she screeches real loud these days so uh we're we're not gonna apologize for not having professional podcasting studios but we do try to keep it as clean as possible (laughs) yes i keep testing out different rooms i'm doing my best to figure out what is the quietest um today we're in the master bath (laughs) that's on the farthest end of the end of the house so hopefully it's a little better there's a dog in here with me but it's been quiet so we're good um so yeah my win of the week I think it's I hired a new contractor and I just brought her on I let her work with a puppy for a day um brought a puppy over there a couple times and she is fantastic I feel like I hit the jackpot she's awesome her sisters actually work as vet techs at the vet's office that my parents take their dogs to and board the dogs there so I did her home visit to see what her setup would be like for puppies and I was talking to her sisters I was like I don't know if you know Forest and Mocha and they're like oh my gosh and show me pictures of my own family dogs there and everything so um, really excited. I certainly am at a point where I need all the extra help I can get. And she seems like a really kind of exactly what I was looking for when I was thinking of who do I want to hire? Um, so I'm really, really fortunate to have brought her on. And this has been my busiest month yet, which I think I've said that a few times. So hopefully that continues, but um, really grateful for the extra help. <laughs> yes, that is a trend we want to keep hearing every single month. This is my best month. Just keep getting better. I love it. I love it. And I, I can totally relate with how it feels to get that home run higher, you know, really bringing the, the help that you need to, um, you know, offload things or just to help because you're super busy and you're scaling at a pace that, you know, is maybe outrunning your projections or your initial uh, thoughts about it all. So uh, that, that's really cool. Uh, my win is, um, <laughs> was more planned in advance. Well, it kind of planned in advance, but uh, it's finally happening. Uh, so over the summer, um, I recorded a podcast series with a student athlete uh, that I've done some work with uh, here in the Charlotte area, actually. And um, on the same day that this episode is going to release, we are going to release the first of that bonus series. So it's going to come as bonus episode week after week. I think there's six total episodes. Um, So in people's podcast feeds starting this Monday, you're going to see two episodes versus the traditional one. There's going to be our episode and then there's going to be this separate one. And it's on the topic of how to become, how to become a master of performing under pressure. 
Um, it's super interesting topic. I will save all the details for the episodes. If you're interested, uh, definitely check them out. Uh, but we got really detailed into it. We had a ton of participation from other student athletes, from coaches. Uh, it took us the whole summer to get through six episodes, um, both based on the amount of information that we had and how we were going to break it down into a digestible way. Uh, but also, you know, both of us being pretty busy uh, with, with our uh, schedules and just being able to sync up. But uh, I just talked to Natalie, uh, who is the, the co-host for those bonus episodes. And uh, we figured out that we're going to release that first one next week and I got everything scheduled this morning and it's up to go and it'll be right along the side this one once we finish up and I put that up for posting as well so um, that's definitely a big win I'm super excited about those episodes not that I don't love these episodes with you Jamie but um, (laughs) those ones took a lot of work Uh, we were both pretty pretty tired at the end Um, whereas these episodes of me and you that I look forward to them not that I didn't look forward to working with with Natalie but uh, I look forward to just getting a chance to talk with you it's kind of a a, a, a helps me relax a little bit and then move on with the rest of my day so um, it's uh, it's something different uh, but I think it'll be really beneficial and impactful for people that's awesome I'm very very excited for those episodes I feel like that's a good topic for anyone whether you're you know, an athlete, or I was thinking from the perspective of all my acting school friends and people who are still in the arts, like that's so important and know how to perform under pressure. And even for, you know, just being at work and trying to perform when there's all these eyeballs on you, it's really, that's really cool. So I'm excited to tune into that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you. Um, Awesome. So since you, you know, asked me what we were going to discuss today, I, one thing that has been really on my mind in the last couple of weeks is goal setting. Um, I don't know about you and exactly what your journey is. I don't, you know, didn't want to touch that. I know it's already been on your podcast, but I know for myself starting puppy preparatory, it wasn't this long thought out thing where it was like my end all be all dream job to train puppies and run this puppy training Academy, although it feels like a dream job and I love dogs and I couldn't be happier doing what I'm doing. But, um, I finally kind of took some time to think it was actually kind of inspired by what you said the other week of reframing what meditation looks like. And I think just having time to sit and think and not just go through the motions. And I realized I needed to set some bigger goals or what was my vision for puppy preparatory. If this wasn't what I saw myself doing forever, what could I, you know, what can I use to motivate myself now to continue when I'm really tired and all this stuff and the puppies kind of do motivate me, but still helpful to have some, some big goals. So I wanted to just talk about what our long-term visions were for each of our companies, uh, because I think having a really clear vision of what you want in the future really helps get through those day-to-day tasks and get through the short-term goals that are super necessary to get to the long-term vision. Yeah. So I kind of want to hear from you first and then I'll, I'll fill in. Oh man, put me on the spot. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh, if not, I'll go first too. Whatever you want to do. No, no, it's it's fine. I'm, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's it's a really interesting question, and it's funny that you said like when you started your business, maybe there wasn't like this grand plan, right? Like this like 50 year vision of what you know puppy prep was going to be, um, and I think I was in that same boat when I first started, uh, I was definitely passionate about what I wanted to do, but there's just so much to do, as you know, (laughs) as a, as a small business owner that I think, um, unless you've done it before, like if this is maybe your second business that you're starting or, you know, beyond that, if it's the first time you're doing it, it's kind of hard to, you know, project out in, in a realistic way. Uh, so, um, or maybe I'm just not smart enough to be able to do that. One of the two, I'm sure is true. (laughs) But uh, I've had a lot of these moments where I'm like, okay, what am I doing on the short term? How is that affecting long term? What is the actual vision for my company? And it took, I would say it took about a year and a half for me to come up with something that I felt so strongly about that I was like, okay, this, this could be like a longer term thing. And that was when we pivoted to mainly focus on supporting women in sports. We had already pivoted to mainly working in sports and um, 
for the most part, that's at the college level. Um, but the biggest pivot was to say, okay, we're going to be a supporter of women in sports because they're underrepresented. They don't get the same opportunities for the most part. So um, let's see how we can help them, uh, you know, level up when it comes to, to leadership and to these opportunities of, of influence and whatnot. And that, you know, at this point happened, you know, roughly the same amount of time it took me to get to that point to pivot. Now I think it's been about a year and a half since that pivot and we're still going in that direction. And so I think um, my long-term vision is very clear in the sense that like for the leadership Academy specifically, that is who we want to mainly support. Um, and it, cause it's like what you were saying, you know, I get energized by talking about leadership, by talking about culture in the same way that you get energized by the, by your puppies. Um, but I think like knowing that you're supporting something, um, that's a little bit bigger and different than just like what's passionate to you is really a big motivator. Um, and that's really helped me focus in for the business specifically. Now, like some of the stuff that I do in relation to the business, like the podcast, sometimes there's deviations here and there. My book was obviously a deviation from that as well. And so I'm not so strict to say like, okay, I'm not going to take on different projects here and there for the most part. But um, I would say that I don't know. I don't know how much like what I'm doing on the short term affects the long term anymore because I have identified something that I strongly believe in. So it's like, I almost feel like I focus less on the short term stuff. Like I'm, I'm less worried about like, Oh my God, how many calls did I make today? How many people did I connect with and, and everything? Cause I'm like, I was trying to figure all that out for so long and I didn't feel like I was getting anywhere. And then I figured out like what I wanted to do. And now I'm like, okay, take things as they come. Um, this is not my, as people know already, this is not like where I pay the bills uh, through, through the leadership Academy. So that takes some of the pressure off. Um, whereas for you, it is kind of your, your main thing. Um, but, you know, at the same time, I think that was a big breakthrough for me just just like let go of the busyness. Like if I'm going to sh- focus on something short term, it's going to be something really impactful. Whereas in the past, uh, it was definitely more of just like a task thing. Like, let's just be doing something to do something. And, um, you know, I, I, so I think there's a lot of breakthroughs there uh, of that long ramp, but the, the longer term vision has really helped me kind of focus and refine on what it is that I want to do on a day-to-day basis, which I guess I equate to more of the short term. That makes sense. I've had a somewhat similar experience. I've actually, since starting it, I've never set like numbers for myself of like, oh, I have to do this from this perspective. I got really lucky. I put it out out of Google ad and it worked maybe too well at this point (laughs) because I've been really, really busy. But um, I think now, as I've reflected a bit more on what I want for the long term, which for me, especially coming from animal welfare background and what have, I did a lot of what I'm doing now just on a volunteer basis in the past. Um, and I think there was a different level of fulfillment from fostering dogs and really giving back to the community in that way. And I miss that a lot to be completely <laughs> transparent. So I think as I've looked at that and I look up, you know, what I'm doing with puppy preparatory and really what my clients are. They're mostly dogs from breeders, which I think is perfectly fine. As long as people are going to ethical and responsible breeders, you know, I don't think that there's anything wrong from that, but I also know the reality of rescue work. So I was thinking about, you know, what do I, what do I, what would I do in my ideal world? And I think that would be have still have puppy preparatory, have most of the puppies and contractors me really focused on just running the business side and, either fostering dogs or taking dogs that, you know, their money goes towards a charity, kind of like what I'm doing at the silent auctions. And I think that would kind of help me see, you know, that I'm making an impact in some way beyond just, I do think I'm making an impact in, you know, the puppies' lives and especially the family's lives when they come back and they're sleeping through the night and, you know, a little bit better potty trained. I, you know, I'm not discounting that that does make a difference in people's lives, but 
Um, I think one thing that's helped me is figuring out ways that I can start and implementing charity work or doing the things that I love to do beyond just the training and using my business for good now. Um, but it was really hard for me, I think, because I had another business that I was trying to start in New York. COVID kind of made that go on the shelf, but that one really had giving back at in the center of everything that it was doing. And so I think when I started Puppy Preparatory, it just took me some catching up to figure out how I could still sure. do that. And so for me, I think remembering the long-term goal every day of like, okay, I think you know, it's not going to be me with a million dogs in my house and my personal space, you know, forevermore. It can be, you know, me finding really high quality contractors, like the girl I was talking about for my win of the week, who I think can do an almost an even better job than I can, if not a far better job, because she just has less going on, less dogs. She can give that, you know, puppies way more one-on-one -on -one attention, which I think is really great. So I think there's more than enough people out there that can do what I do and work alongside of me. Um, and would also free up my time to get to that bigger goal of making a bigger difference or maybe getting back to fostering. So sure. um, that has helped me, I think in the last couple of weeks, as I said, it's been like the busiest month going, okay, but like, what is, what is next? Like, what is this going to turn into? It's really helped keep me grounded, uh, especially when, you know, I'm busy and tired and all of that, but it, it also helps me kind of like you said, when you're like, oh, well, and I was focusing on the nitty gritty of making phone calls and doing all this, it's given me a different excitement, you know, to market more and do all of that because I do have a stronger vision for where it's going. And I think that'll shift because that shifted when I first started it. It was like, okay, here's what I wanted to do. And as it's evolving, uh, maybe faster than I anticipated, I know that there's going to be shifts in that and it'll impact what I'm doing tomorrow. But, um, I just thought this would be a really fun topic because I think, especially when you're, even if you started a new job, not even if you start your own business, like you may not see what the next step is yeah. and you might think you want to do something next and that's going to impact kind of what you're doing day to day. And then that might shift. But I think in any kind of line of work or even in sports or whatever it may be, that is your focus. Uh, if you know what the next step is, or you have an idea of what your vision is for the long term. And it kind of helps you narrow down the short term and get through the nitty gritty day to day tasks. So, yeah. Yeah. I think so much of what you just spoke about, it's like two things, right? It's community. So what, what are you doing that's bigger than you? And we both talked about two different things for our businesses. Um, and then you're also talking about ownership. Like, obviously we have like legit ownership <laughs> into our businesses, but like you were talking about at a regular job or a corporate job, you know, whatever it is, like you can still, there are companies out there that will make you feel like you have ownership of not just the job that you're doing, but like in some ways of the company itself without like you know, you actually having a money stake in it or anything like that. And like that, that is such a big motivator and um, engagement wise, like keeps people going on a day-to-day -day basis. Cause like, no matter what you're doing, like you said, it just, sometimes it's going to suck. It's a grind. It's really hard. It's difficult. Um, but you have to be, you have to be willing, but you also have to find a way through it. Like those are two different things. And um, if you're not, fully invested it's really difficult to have the motivation to do those two things so I, i'm glad you brought up those those points or at least clarified them a little bit more than maybe i did because i think those would be really helpful for people yeah i think so too i think everybody has their own strategies but um i think it's important really and can be used by a lot of people so hopefully people can relate to that <laughs> and now i know we're... we have a really exciting guest that's going to come on and Yep. offer some more insight and motivation. Yep, for sure. We we have a great guest, Brittany Pomeroy, uh, headed into this conversation. Uh, definitely check out, uh, keep listening to this, but definitely check out the bonus episode as well with Natalie, how to become a master of performing under pressure. Jamie and I will, I think, be back next week. And uh, until next time, this is the Dynamic Leaders Podcast. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, everyone. I am here today with Brittany Pomeroy. Brittany, uh, this is a treat to have you on. We connected quite a few months ago now um, and just had a lot of different moving pieces. Moving over to Blue Wire had a little bit of a delay and uh, I've had you on my my list. I don't like to you know make people think that they're on some you know, arbitrary list that I make about whether they can be on the show or not, but I have to keep track somehow. And I've had you on the list for a long time and I'm glad we're able to finally sync up on this. So first I want to say thank you for taking the time, but I also want to give you an opportunity to introduce, introduce yourself, excuse me, to our listeners. So please tell us a little bit about you and the work that you're doing. Yeah, thanks you so much for having me. Uh, my name is Brittany. I founded Flourish Together about a year ago And I founded it through my passion of being within organizations and teaching, feeling like a number at one point, burnt out at another. This is even before the pandemic where we face change a lot. I can, you know, imagine now. And, you know, I just was tired of it and had to do something about it. Got successful in a grassroots program that I led and was like, wow, I've got to box this up. And people need to know about this new, this new way of working together, a new way of flourishing together, which is like an ever-evolving culture, this ever-evolving leadership um, that was so beautiful to experience, to go from this burnt out to this, you know, this flourishing, this thriving, and that it is possible within an organization or a team where you feel, you do feel those feelings of being burnt out, this lack of leadership and then to transform it into something that's amazing and thriving. So survive to thrive. It's just, it was just wonderful. And so I boxed that up and I want to take that out to as many people as possible, teams, organizations, and just leaders and growing leaders and, and be able to give them some of the secret sauce to that. Is <laughs> <laughs> part of that secret sauce, is that the survive to thrive phrase that you threw out? Yeah, it's the it's going from this survive mentality and this fixed mindset. So fixed just meaning, you know, like there's one way to do something and I'm going to keep trying it. Um, also, if you think about it in terms of like the industrial age of like this, like this old way of doing business that we don't do anymore, it's very fixed. It's very this like top down, you know, we're going to tell you what to do. We're going to use fear to drive it. It's taking that and then transforming it into this growth mindset, this, this sense of um, like, it's, you know, it feels like this might be the only way, but what else is there? It's this way of getting curious. It's this, instead of saying, oh, I never have time to exercise even it's well, but what if I reframe that and think maybe I have five minutes. It's, it's being open to that, being curious um, and then, you know, going from there and growing from there for sure. So is it almost um, in your experience or, or maybe more specifically with your business, like when you're coming across the leaders that you're trying to help, like they're already in this position where they're, they're trying to survive and they, they need to be open to a different type of mindset. Like you just said, like, is that often what happens? Like where people are kind of back into a corner already? Um, Or do you see, you know, a mix of people who are proactive and, you know, know that, Hey, I don't have everything figured out, but I'm not necessarily like in a fixed mindset, uh, but I'd still like to do work. Um, is, Is there one or the other? Is it a mix that you're working with? Yeah, uh, that's a really good um, question because what I have found is that with leaders, what gets them moving in the direction, you know, like I said, to this thrive when you feel like, you know, what else am I going to do? I have found that with businesses because they, it's like, like you said, like they feel cornered, like there's this sense of no one's talking to each other. Everything's taking forever. Um, 
what, you know, it, it affects their business. And so, and so they end up being like, well, we don't know what else to do. And sometimes we'll even hire projects that will come in and the projects will be like, well, we'll just, you know, a new technology system, but then the people go back to old behavior. And so it's almost like, especially at the pandemic, this like shakeup, this, this wake up call to, ah, I really do need my people. So what am I, what am I going to do about it? I don't know if they can change. I don't know, but I know I need to do something and that I do need them. So what can I do? And so that's where I can really come in because when you focus on the people first, they're the ones who produce the value. They're the ones who engage with the technology system. They're the ones who need to be voicing if, if um, like procedures aren't working. So when you focus on them first, then, um, then systematically, you know, things happen and the business results get a lot better. And so it's really during that sweet moment of like, we don't know what else to do, but you know what? I, I do recognize the fact that I need my people and I need them to get on board with me. So what do I do for buy-in? What does an effective team look like? And we usually go from there. And so with that one glimmer of hope is where I just take off and be like, yes, we have an opportunity here. Let's reframe it, start with leadership and then work on the team to really shift that mindset into this is actually, you know, a great opportunity. And then, so I'm, I'm just trying to um, better understand before I ask this next question, when you're working with these leaders, like, is it more on an individual basis? Like, you know, kind of outside the capacity of their workplace, whatever that may be, or are you getting the opportunity to go in and work with like multiple leaders at a workplace? Or again, maybe is it a mix of things? Yeah, yeah. Great question. Because what I have found to be the most effective in in this transformation is to get hands-on with the leader and the team. So like when I go into um, a company, it's like, okay, well, what are we trying to do and why? Why does it matter? And I'd help them find really pinpoint that opportunity. And then it sometimes I might have to design a team. So it's, you know, what are the stakeholders involved? Or sometimes the team's already there. Um, and then it's really working with them on, um, and I do even have like a team survey. And I could go into the five high performance indicators if you want. Um, of really get that opportunity hands-on with the team. I really evaluate, well, where are you um, in sense of how often are you meeting? What does your team look like? So I kind of analyze the situation and then I start coaching and facilitating the, the leader and then the team. And then they became the change agents internally and then outward towards the rest of the organization. Does that answer your question? Yeah. Yeah. And before I get to my follow-up, can you, can you dive a little bit deeper into those five indicators? I think that would be really helpful. Yeah, absolutely. So what we're finding in organizations, and this is actually like throughout the world, even that all high performance team have five key aspects to them. And one way to think about this is if you think about, you know, when I said when you get burnt out with change and there's no leadership, I want you to think about with the sports team for an example, what is a good sports team is not burnt out. <laughs> they're not exhausted. They don't just do exactly what they're told and everything's perfect and they win games, right? There's a sense of resiliency. There's a sense of performing. There's a sense of being like being able to perform, you know, high performance and really be able to utilize each other as a team. So with like, say example, sports team, all sports teams, all really good ones. And this is, you know, like I said, high performance, this is a key five things that you'll need. One is you have to have a unified purpose, right? I talked about in terms of opportunity. That's what becomes the purpose of the team. Why are we doing this? We're very intentional, right? Very intentional about where we're going, why it matters, why the people care, right? But it's a sense of unified purpose. And that's across, I mean, that's across the board, no matter what. That's, that's like, one of the most important things because that's what's going to ground you and you always are coming back to it. It's not a one and done. This is not a mission statement on a wall. This is say, even before each meeting, why are we here? One way to do a quick evaluation of this is to ask everyone on the team individually to see, this is like one way I could see if everyone is on board and knows what it is. So why do you think we're here? 
why, and you can even go around and see if everyone says it says the same thing. And you as a leader are here, or even if you're just influencing where this team goes, you don't have to have the title. Why are we here? We're all on the same page. Then the second thing all, all, all teams have, no matter what, is they have measurements against that purpose. You have to know how, even if it's like, how are we moving towards our purpose, right? How are we, and are we, once again, not a one and done, but an ongoing in meetings, how are we measuring? And some people talk about it in terms of goals, like goal setting, but you know, some people like, "Eh," they don't like that term. So you, I've even used it as how are we measuring against this purpose? In other words, what are some of the wins that we're having that is showing us that we are moving towards our purpose? That's an even type of measurement there and that it's showing alignment towards that purpose. And even Daniel Pink in his book, um, Drive, what, what motivates people, any little win helps motivate them. Think about that in terms of a sports team, right? Is this, this, you know, good job. Well, what did I do exactly? What, you know, well, here's what you did. It was great. Here's our win. So we have measurements. We also have, um, do we have the skill sets and processes in place with the baseball team, right? They all come from different angles. You have a batter, you have a pitcher. They're all not perfect at the same thing. They all have their own gifts and talents and skill sets. And the coach is going to be nourishing those over and over. What do they need? How can they build that skill set in their own unique way? And so with, and really focusing on that, and that's one way to bring, especially if you're a part of a sports team, to bring that to an organization, like I said, whether it's your title or not, just to know everyone has their own unique skill sets. What do they bring to the table? What do they want to do? But it's really nurturing those. And then um, the next one, this is the fourth one, would be a sense of shared fate. We all bring our own skill sets to the table. How do we, you know, and then with the coach and the players, it's not, I mean, it's a sense of shared fate, right? It's a sense of how, how can we all have our, you know, all hands on deck. And if we all fail, I mean, if one person doesn't do well, we all feel it, that kind of mentality. And you as a leader are nurturing that one person does well, we all do well. We're all in this together, no matter what. We all feel it. And if you don't feel that in an organization, that means there's a lot of competition going on, right? And that's, can't, you can't be an effective team if you're like herding cats, right? So it's like, how do we have this, like, this sense of shared fate? Because too, that means you're wanting to lean on others or um, you could utilize others. You know, there's just different ways to look at it. And then the last one is that you are dealing with real issues as they're coming up. The coach doesn't wait till the next year the next beginning season to talk about what he saw and what you need to improve. It's after every single game. It's after, I mean, probably every day, especially the really good ones. They're like, Hey, what are you working on? What has come up for you? How can we help that? And the team players, like they don't just fume about it to everyone outside the team. They're able to look internally and be able to provide effective feedback to the person or to the coach or like as a team, what they're noticing and that's just so, so important as a team. And that's what really makes you innovative too within the workforce. Because if you're burying everything, that just fuels a very toxic culture and no one's bringing up anything. The same conflicts just keep coming back over and over. And so, you know, they're truly addressed when they're not there anymore. You're able to address it head on. What do we need to improve? What's working? What do we need different? We're able to move on from that. And that is really what, you know, those resiliency, those innovative teams, that's really what they're doing. And that's where you get the best results for sure. Sure. And I really appreciate you sharing those. Like anytime we can have something as practical as what you just shared as a takeaway from these conversations, I think is super impactful. And I'd love to dive a little bit deeper into the last one and the first one. Uh, they, They really stood out to me the most. And we'll stick with the last one since it's fresher here in people's minds. And, uh, you know, I think uh, sports is a a really great public example of, um, you know, when you see teams that, again, we're seeing this from the outside, right? Like a lot of us aren't necessarily involved with the program. Um, But sometimes it's very easy to see because sports are so public, you know, when there is disconnect, when there is problems. Um, It can be 
reflected in the win loss column. It can be reflected in the energy that the team gives off, um, you know, dynamic between players, dynamic between players and coaches, so many different things. And, you know, I think sports is really cool. I'm thinking of, you know, the Yankees right now, um, one of my favorite teams and, and a team that I've covered in my book pretty extensively. And uh, this has been a year, you said resiliency um, a number of times already. And this has been a year where I think they have tested resiliency um, over and over again. And they've gotten punched in the mouth pretty hard a few times. And it's almost like, you know, like, why do you even let it get to that point? Um, but they're able to bounce back. And I feel like at least, it is very hard whether you are consulting, coaching, um, you're in it, you're an extension of it, whatever it is. I feel like it's very, very difficult for teams in particular, whether they are sports teams, whether they're corporate teams, whatever they are, to like flip it really quickly, like when it needs to happen. And, and what you were saying is like, that's almost like the best way to go about it because like it's easy to identify the problem but if you're going to wait until next season, for example, or next year, you know, okay, it's, it's almost October here in 2021. So let's just wait until January to really address these problems. Like what, what does that do? And like, do, do the problems ever actually get solved? So I guess this is my long-winded way of, of saying like, how do you get people on board to know and to realize like when there's a problem, we need to address it how we go about it and how we get on the other side. Cause I feel like that's probably the, the single most difficult thing about all of this because everyone has problems, right? Everyone has challenges, but most people just want to ignore them, sweep them under the rug and just kind of try to move on without addressing it <laughs> properly addressing it, I guess is what I would say. Yeah. You have to, especially as a leader, if you are even just like facilitating a, a team or a group, right? Like I said, you could even influence a, a team and how they're run. The number one thing you have to do in order to do exactly what you just said, bring it up as it's happening, because it's hard, you have to create this sense of safety. So Simon Sinek talks about, I think like the circle of safety. Google has done a huge study on what the most effective teams do. And that is this, this psychological safety effect of, of being able to set up a container, right, of safety and building trust. So as a leader, it's, it's people should be able to express how they feel, be able to bring those up to the surface and they shouldn't fear what could happen because they do. So repercussions from that. And, and really... I was trying to think of other examples of how to do, I mean, it's really the tone of the leader, right? Them even just being open and honest. You don't feel safe if, if someone's just like, you know, you know that they're not being honest about something. Um, sometimes it takes the leader to model even just, here's what I see happening. Here's what's going on. So even that vulnerability piece creates this, this, this effect of um, safety on the team members. And, and, what you don't want to do and what people fear most is they're like, well, but then we're going to have emotions flying everywhere. And who, you know, but it's about really, you know, I, there's a couple ways. One way is there's this old story. You say, yes, I see this old story. I see this was what happening, but we're now creating a new one. What would that look like? And really put that on them to begin voicing what it could look like. Even if it's just merely getting curious, it's going to really depend on where they are. And also sticking with the facts of things, right? So if you're like, well, our emotions are, you know, they're going haywire, which you do need to have empathy as a leader too. That creates safety. But you have empathy, but you're also looking at things from a factual basis. One way um, to do that with feedback even is to really like, what is the exact situation that happened? What are the exact behaviors with your eyes that you saw, your ears that you heard, right? We're not making assumptions. And then how did it impact you? So like, that's one way It's like getting really factual. So you're kind of, um, so that way they're able to see very clearly what's going on, you know? And so, and sometimes that takes writing it out, you know, first, so you're practicing it, but that's, and that'll get people's attention, right? Cause they're like, oh, okay, this is this, that's what happened. And you could even bring that to the team and they, and you'd be like, this is the facts of what I saw. And they could even be like, well, here's what I saw that you could actually insert in there. 
but it becomes very a factual discussion. So that way you could get to the, the solution, which would be another factual solution of, oh, that's, that's exactly what happened. Okay, here's what the impact was. Here's one little thing we can do to alter that. Um, so getting factual, creating that sense of safety, that sense of trust, um, you know, and, and really you as a person set the tone in that for sure. So before we get too far away from this point, I'd love to know from your experience, your expertise, what are the motivators to change the behavior? Cause like, I hear what you're saying about, you know, being, creating that circle of trust. And I naturally start to wonder, is that enough to change the behavior though? Um, because, and so like, I'll say again with the Yankees, like I, I can imagine that part of what motivates them is the fact that they may lose their job, uh, if, if they don't perform right high performance, going back to what you talked about earlier. Um, and if they lose their job, they lose their livelihood, which is the thing that a lot of us can relate to maybe not, um, as much money as professional athletes make for the most part, but a lot of us are working on a day-to-day basis to support our livelihood, our families and things like that. So I feel like that's probably a motivation that can help, um, you know, when you need to change a behavior and cause like, you know, for the Yankees example, I've always argued that they have a really strong, healthy culture. And it's almost like there's probably this fear built into that. Like if we don't turn it around, a, we're going to lose our jobs, but B, they're just going to blow this whole thing up. Like they're not going to trust that we can get the job done. So they're going to bring in other people and we're not going to be able to be a part of this culture anymore. Um, like, do you think those are real motivators? Like, are there other motivators that help people change their behaviors from your experience? Yeah, it all comes with one of the biggest motivators is having that unified purpose, their why, okay. right? Simon Sinek, you know, he also talks about was having a why. So with like, even like the Yankees per se, I can imagine that they're like, why are we here? Cause we're awesome. Here's what we do. This is just what, this is just who we are. Like we are, and we've been the best before and they could really feel into that. And, you know, you know, I don't know them enough to say exactly what their why would be or what that opportunity, like we are one of the best teams. Of course you want to be here. Of course we're going to be in this together. And these are your buddies, right? So it's just having like this sense of why that connects with their head, like they logically get it and with their heart in the sense of they can really care. Because that's one of the first questions I'll ask a leader is, well, what's the motivation? Like, why are we doing this change? And if and if they're going to say something like that's like something about themselves, right? It's like, well, because I want this or I'm like, OK, well, but why should they care? Why should your team care? And you need to really pull that out of them sometimes, or they need to go and think on it and come back and be like, but why should they care? And we can really take the most mundane things and really fuel some type of head and heart in there. Like I've worked around financial systems and organizations. Those are huge because there's like all these implementations done. People are overwhelmed. They're like, I don't want to do it. Even finding a why around that, it's like, well, guys, it's not going to go anywhere. We, they just got it. So why do you think we should do this? Well, I don't know. It's the best we're going to have. So how about we work together? What does that look like? Can we make our lives a little easier? You know, and um, this is what we're having. So it's coming here to stay. So how can we really lean on each other? You want to do your job, right? You want to be able to come to work and it be a lot easier. How can we do that? So, I mean, people naturally want to be able to come to work to even do their jobs at the best that they can. And really, and you can narrow that down even more based off where you are. So, because it's a little broad right now, but you, you can, you know, really fuel that why. And the people have to see a change in the leader in some shape or form. And even like I said earlier about those wins, like, you have to show them that there, there is a shift. Every little shift matters because they're going to be very skeptical. They're going to be like, yeah, okay, I've done, I've seen this before. <laughs> and you have to be like over and over, you know, wow, we did that. That's awesome. And because they care about the why and you keep coming back to it, that's what fuels them. Let's make our job easier. How can we lean on each other? Instead of everyone doing this thing, what if one person did it? 
there you go. Just saved you a bunch of hours, you know? <laughs> and so talking about it like that over and over those key little things, it makes such a huge difference. I don't care if you're an accountant, there's some kind of head and heart connection that you can make that will fuel them that can be tied with the organizational purpose as well. The problem lies in that people are so disconnected from the organization, huge purpose that when you really start to get really nitty and gritty down to the people, you can really find out what truly motivates them and how you can frame it. Sure. Yeah. And I'm glad that you made the connection that I did in my head to, I mean, between the changing the behaviors, like, you know, what we just talked about solving problems in real time and then what the opportunity is like, that's where I was going with next to go back to your indicators, that first one. And, you know, so often, but so it's in sports, the bottom line usually is wins and losses, right? And you want to be winning. And in the corporate world or business, you know, the bottom line is money. You want to make money. And um, I think it's pretty clear to most people, this is probably not groundbreaking, that those cannot be like the only motivations that you have because it's it's just not enough. And, and what you're you know, telling us, you know, all these different reasons as to why we're working together, why we're working so hard, what we're working toward, et cetera. Um, and diving a little bit deeper uh, into all of that is really important. So I'm glad that you connected uh, everything there. Um, is there more to it when it comes to opportunity, like in terms of a practical, like exercise, like how do we get away from just focusing on wins and losses? How do we get away from just focusing on making money for the business? Uh, there's actually been research done that shows if uh, the more purpose driven your team or your organization is, there's direct research showing engagement, the, the huge increase in engagement percentage numbers. And so with that, even just being a straight like that's just a fact and engagement leads to what people being more involved and then ultimately the business making more money. So sometimes, you know, they're like, I don't know, we just need our people engaged because we're trying to hit numbers. Ultimately, it comes down to if they, if, well, if there's purpose and they are engaged, you will make more money. <laughs> so, right. and, and, you know, and even like I'll stress with data and with numbers, there's such a huge focus, like you said, even on that, like how much money are we making? How much, what are our numbers? How many did we sell? that you have to have that. And that is a need, but what we're, what we are forgetting is this context around it of the people. They're the ones producing those numbers. And if you, and if you ignore the people aspect of it, I promise your numbers will not be as good. I have seen it. And that's part of why I started Flourish Together. I'd be in business manager meetings and they're focusing so much on the project and the numbers and it was like, well, why are we even doing that project? It's like they, they, they couldn't even hardly go there. And it was like, well, if you don't even know, how are the people going to know? They literally just think you're just trying to make their life like a living hell. Like, you know? like it's so it's like, and, and they weren't as successful. They're like, why are all these projects in red? We don't know. We don't know why they're in red. And it's like, well, because <laughs> there's a missing piece. And so when I was able to do that and really begin to, um, I went back to that team and was like, here's why change management is important. Like, here's the, the, I think, what's it called? It's the, um, gosh, I can't remember, but it's like a, it's a chart that shows like with people's engagement, where they are. And I'm like, we are here at the change. It's like, we are so unproductive and no one knows why. And then you're wondering why they're going back to old behaviors. It's because they can't connect it with what they do. And so I think stressing that over and over of, yes, that's important. That's more industrial age. We're in a new age of this resilience, of this having, like you have to put the people first. You will get better numbers. And the more and more people are seeing that, seeing that research. I mean, there's tons of articles about leadership and culture, about how it helps your company. It's just people just don't know how to do it or, you know, and so we've been conditioned in this old way. And so they're having to learn just this new way. And so that's why, too, with me doing coaching, it's to really show them that it's actually it's actually already there inside of them. It's actually already there in their team. It's just pulling that out and getting that focus of, well, OK, we need to be more of a thrive mindset. Here's a different way to lead and be able to coach them through that. 
which it takes about 66 days to form new habits. So I have about like, I, I coach for at least three months, but it takes that. I mean, you don't, it's not three months till you see results. You could actually start seeing it earlier, but it's that having to let go and recognize that it's actually another way to do it. A new way of being as a leader and being as a team, you're having this whole different new way of um, doing habits and a way of living and it will fuel change. It will fuel your results. Yeah. Um, and you kind of led me into, <laughs> wanted to understand you know, a little bit more about, you know, what, what kind of your work looks like. It looks like, you know, it's a you know, pretty, pretty big commitment. You know, it's not just a one and done type thing, you know, at least three months. And you know, like you said, to really build those healthy habits. I mean, um, you know, what else quickly just goes into some of the work that you do if there are people who are curious. Um, and also if you could tell us, um, I know you're in the Charlotte area like me. Do you just serve people in the Charlotte area? Do you do virtual work? And where can people find you? Um, all of that wrapped into one for us. <laughs> yeah, um, I do work with people in Charlotte, but I could also do virtual. I launched my, my company in the middle of the pandemic. So I learned very quickly how to do a virtual, which that was like my pivot, even though I started a company. <laughs> so I do do virtual as well as in person. Um, I do three to six month packages of coaching, working with teams. I also have a team survey with those exact five high performance indicators. This survey is very quick and easy for your team. It breaks it down to very specific behaviors. So that way we can identify, okay, what behaviors do we keep doing that we want to reinforce? What just need a little bit of trick, a tweaking, and then what do we need to remedy, really focus on? So I do the survey, come up with the action plan, and then um, I start coaching and facilitating the team. I'm definitely not a one and done because I'm all about that long-term change, right? People have HRs for training for, you know, but I, and that's so super important. But for me, it's that hands-on aspect that becoming who we are in our habits and way of being as a team and, and leader. Um, and then you can find me on well, my website is flourishtogether.net or um, you can find me on LinkedIn or my Instagram handle will be Brittany, B-R-I-T-T-A-N-Y dot Pomeroy, P-O-M-E-R-O-Y. So either way of those, you could just reach out to me. I'd be happy to do a free call with you. All righty. And I'll make sure I put that information in the show notes for people like I do with all of our guests, super easy reference. So when you have a chance, pull over in your car, stop your run, workout, whatever it is, you can reference that pretty easily. But uh, Brittany, this has been really insightful. Um, I think it again goes to remind people how involved um, the work has to be to be an effective leader, but you know, it's also a reminder as to why it's so important and why, um, you know, we take the exhaust exhaustive measures that we do <laughs> uh, to to do this work. So I appreciate all the insight uh, that you shared, and um, certainly supportive of of your work. But really appreciate the time that you took to come on the show and share everything today. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much. 